All right, isn't the Lord good? Come on, isn't he good? Has he been faithful to anyone? Hallelujah, he's a faithful God. He is so good this morning. It is good to be here this morning and share God's word. In Pastor Chad's absence, I'm thankful that they got an opportunity to uh, take a family vacation. And we wish them the best on vacation, some relaxation, and some time away. And so Pastor Chad asked me if I would come and share with you this morning. And uh, so that's why I'm here. That is my endeavor today is to share God's word with you. Amen. How many of you need victory in your life? How many of you need some victory in your life today? Well, God's already supplied the victory. All we've got to do is tap in to what he has already supplied for us. We're going to go this morning to the book of 1 Samuel and uh, in chapter number 17. It is good to see Sean back today. I missed him for this past few weeks he's been out and uh, good to have him back today. All right, in 1 Samuel chapter number 17 and beginning in verse number 32. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and in verse 32. I'll give you just a minute to pull that up if you are uh, reading from your Bible. 1 Samuel 17 verse number 32. And I want to uh, share with you today a very simple message that we all learned probably in Sunday school. Most of us know this story, whether you were raised in church or not, you will know the story of David and Goliath. But how many of you know that it's usually the simplicity of things? We make things so complicated at times, and we just need the simplicity of what God is speaking into our spirit. And so today I hope that I can challenge us with God's word, with the simplicity of the message and that it can speak into our hearts and into our lives and into our spirit. Beginning in verse number 32, it said, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go up against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth when it arose against me. I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them 
seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. And moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And so Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with those, for I have not tested them. And so David took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and in his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Can we pray this morning? Dear Lord, as we have read your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and into our lives today. God, that we could make this scripture relative to what we are going through today. God, we might not be facing a nine-foot giant in physical stature, but God, there are giants that all of us are facing in this room today. And I pray that we would be able to break the strongholds off of our lives to be the victorious person that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we all say amen? I want to speak to you from this subject this morning that the first step is taking the first step. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? The first step is taking the first step. We've all heard these cliche statements, a couple of them, that I want to share with you today. It doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. It doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. Another cliche statement is, it doesn't matter how many times you fail, it matters how many times you get up. It doesn't matter how many times you fail, it matters how many times you get up. Well, the fact is, is that you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start in order to be great. You don't have to to be great to start, but you have to start somewhere in order to ever become great. We all know the story that we have read this morning. There's the army of Israel, and there's the army of the Philistines. One on one side, and one on the other side. And there was a champion by the name of Goliath of the army of the Philistines, and he was this big, huge man. He was strong. He was mighty. It is believed that he was as as tall as nine foot tall. Now, I don't know how brave you are and how strong you are, but I'm assured that none of us have ever gone up against a nine-foot-tall giant. I am firmly believing in that. And his armor bone weighed about 120 pounds. His spearhead weighed 
about 15 pounds, and he would shout out across the valley, and he would taunt the Israelites. And the Israelites were afraid, and for 40 days, none of them would go up against this mighty giant. Well, Jesse told David, Jesse's dad told David, he said, David, I want you to take some food down there to the Israelites. I I want you to take them some corn and take them some bread and take them some food and go down there and feed them. And while David was there, Goliath came out and started taunting them again. And so David asked the question to the Israelites. He said, why is everybody running? Why is everyone afraid? They said, have you not seen this man? Do you not know the stature of this man? David said, is there not a cause? And the scripture said in verse 40 that he drew near to the Philistine. Even after David had made all the promises, even after David had rehearsed his history, even after David had told everybody what he was going to do, he still had to take the first step and he had to step out and approach the giant and do something before anything would ever happen. I started to title this message, Are There Victories Without Fighting? Are there victories without fighting? And I got to thinking about all the stories of the Bible and began to look at them and think of them and I thought, my goodness, there are no victories that are not worth fighting for. It is true that there are no victories without fighting and if that is the truth, then isn't it logical that the key that activates our victory is the very fight that we are willing to put up? Let me say that again. Isn't it logical that the key that activates our victory is the very fight that we are willing to put up? You see, if Satan can steal your willingness to fight, then he he has successfully stolen your victory. If he can steal your willingness to fight, then he has stolen your willingness to win the victory. You see, there is a process to obtaining victory. There is a process to obtaining deliverance. And the first step in that process is that you've got to make the first step toward the victory. We live in a society today that likes instant success. I like to call it the microwave generation, even though we're way beyond the microwave generation. We expect everything instantly. We have everything we want right at the tip of our fingertips. And we want something without earning it. A society wants to gain something without working for it. You look at the extreme uh, popularity of the casinos with a chance of dropping a quarter and leaving with a bag full of bills. Or you look at the popularity of the lottery with a chance to buy a single ticket and then claim the multi-million dollar jackpot. Or you look at the popularity of all the quick get rich schemes and the pyramid schemes and all of those things and the emails that you receive that money is owed to you. People like to get rich quick and we live in a society where everybody wants something, instant gratification Instant success, instant everything that we want in life, 
And I don't have anything against a good deal, but our society has become one that wants something for nothing in every part of our lives. We want good jobs, but we don't want to work to have a good job. We live in a society of a generation of people that want to start at the top rather than starting at the bottom and working themselves up towards success. We want to have good friends without putting forth the effort of being good friends ourselves. We want to have good food without taking the time to cook it. We want to have a big bank account stacked full of money without earning it. And so what happens is this, if we are not careful, we will let this type of mentality bleed into our spiritual lives. We'll expect to be close to God, but we don't want to spend any time with Him. We'll expect to know the will of God, but we never get into the Word of God, and we never pray, and we never listen and read and sing and worship and praise God. We'll expect to be able to feel God, but we have not submitted our mind, our spirit, our soul, and our body to Him. And so what will happen is if, if we are not careful as a church, we will expect the victory is going to come whether we fight for it or not. I say, hey, this morning as a church, as individual saints of God, We've got to say, I want to have victory in my life, and I'm not afraid to take a stand for the truth of the Word of God. I want victory in my church, and I am willing to take a stand to fight for the truth of the Word of God. I want victory in my life, and I'm willing to fight with everything that is within me to fight against the demonic oppression, to fight against the wiles of the enemy, and to claim Jesus is alive. Jesus said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But what he did not say is that he would do the treading for you. If we're going to see victory in our lives, we're going to have to pick them up and put them down. We're going to have to go to work and we're going to have to do something for God. It is up to us to take the first step and go after the victories that we want to see in our lives. Let me say this so I can begin the mess, get the message across to you. If you never take the first step, you will stay exactly where you are right now. If you don't take the first step, you will stay exactly where you are right now. We all know the definition of insanity, right? doing the same things over and over and expecting to get a different result. Well, many of us are insane. Just to put it boldly and truthfully, we do the same stuff over and over, get ourselves into the same messes over and over and think that something different is going to happen. When are we going to wake up and realize that it's insanity you see, if you're ever going to get from point A to point B, you're going to have to make some steps. And God is looking for some people who know how to get from point A to point B. The world all around us wants to reap without sowing, but how many of you know that's not what Scripture says? Scripture says whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. 
You sow good things, you're going to reap good things. You sow bad things, you're going to reap bad things. The world around us wants to reap without sowing. They want to receive without giving. They want to partake without participating. But God is looking for some people whose legs aren't broken, whose legs have not been cut off. God is looking for some folks who are willing to step out and go after the blessings of God. What about the children of Israel? You say the children of Israel were constantly mumbling, constantly complaining, constantly murmuring about something. They were constantly griping and doubting, but God still rode back the Red Sea for them. But I think we have forgotten how the story went. Listen closely. God did not row back the Red Sea because of the children of Israel. Hear me for just a moment. God did not roll back the Red Sea because of the children of Israel. He rode back the Red Sea because there was one man by the name of Moses. There was one man down there that still believed. While the Israelites were complaining and murmuring and saying, we might as well go back to Egypt, we might as well go back. There was one man that heard the voice of God. In the wilderness, he heard the voice of God and he knew that it was worth fighting for. There was one man that said, I know God can make a way. And when that one man, Moses, turned and made a step toward that Red Sea, he stretched that rod over the sea and God opened the door to deliverance. You may remember of a story in the New Testament of a man that had been lying flat of his back for 38 years and he couldn't walk. Day after day after day he had to lay flat of his back. And Jesus came to him and he said, Man, do you want to be healed? Then take up your bed and begin to walk. You know something? The miracle would not have happened if he did not get up and take the first step. He could have just laid there and not been healed, but because he took the first step, he received the miracle. You see, it wasn't because of the griping, and it wasn't because of the murmuring, and it wasn't because of the complaining. It wasn't because of the doubt of the people. It was because of the faith of one man to take the first step and know that the salvation of the Lord was coming. But even past that, I want us to see the position of Israel. Yes, it must have been mind-boggling when they saw the waters part. Yes, it must have been amazing when they saw the miracle of the waters parting. But God had made a way for them. But listen, if the children of Israel would have stayed where they were, they would have been captured. I've got to get somebody to see this. It's not the parting of the water that saved them. It was not the dry ground that saved them. It was not the pillar of fire that saved them. It was the steps of their feet that saved them. It was the steps of their feet that set them free. 
Sure, the parting of the water was awesome. Yes, the dry ground and the pillar of fire was an awesome experience. But if they would have stood there like a bunch of statues, Pharaoh would have grabbed them and they would have lived in slavery for the rest of their lives. Church, God is looking for some steppers in a world of statues. God is looking for some steppers in a world of statues. In 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verses 11 and 12 it says, And after this was Shammah the son of Agi the Hayrite, and the Philistines were gathered together in a troop. There was a, piece of, of, there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. You see, 2 Samuel 23 tells us about the mighty men that David had in his army. These were a group of highly trained soldiers who had fought with David and aided him in his victories. And among these men, there were three of them who who served as David's personal bodyguards. These men and their exploits are described in these verses, but I want us to focus in on one of these three special men, and this man is named Shammah. The Bible tells us that the Philistines attacked the people of God. And when that attack came, the people of God had a decision they had to make. They either, number one, had to stay and fight, or they, number two, had to run and hide. They had a decision. How many of you know that there is a time to fight when other other people are running away? There is a time to stand when nobody else wants to stand. The Bible is clear when it tells us that the Philistines were attacking the people of God. It was a time of great conflict for the children of Israel. Notice what the Bible reveals about this time. The enemy came against Israel for two reasons. Number one was to inflict casualties. And number two was to destroy the crops. The Philistines knew that if they, had their, if, they could, uh, if they could bind their enemies and bring them to a place of hunger, they would defeat them and in turn they would enslave them. And so the soldiers would march through the fields trampling down the crops and slaughtering everything that stood in their way. You, say, you see, the same is true concerning our enemy today, the devil. He comes for those two reasons, to inflict casualties and to destroy the crop. He attacks us so that he might weaken us so that we will be easier to enslave to his will. I want to let the devil in on a secret today. The devil and the world do not mind us having church here at all today. The devil doesn't mind us singing. He doesn't mind us preaching. He doesn't mind anything we do. But when we decide to take a step and fight against him, that's when trouble will come. The devil will attack us when we try to pray. He will attack us when we begin to witness for his glory. 
He will attack us when we decide that we are not satisfied to be like the other churches all around us. When we decide that we're going to take a stand for the things of God, that's when the enemy begins to fight. As long as we are doing nothing, we are no threat to the devil at all. But let just a few people down here in the house of God get excited about the things of Jesus and look out. The enemy will invade our pea patch and he will try to stomp out our crop. At the end of verse 11 we read, And the people fled from the Philistines. This verse tells us that when the enemy came, all the people fled before them. What the enemy found was no opposition. They would march right into their fields and the people would give up and would flee in terror. Isn't that exactly what happens in our lives so many times? Things will be going along just fine and the devil will stir up a problem or stir up a ruckus and we're afraid to stand and we're afraid to fight. No one has the courage to stand up and take the first step against the attack of the enemy and look them in the eye and say, by the grace of God, you will not destroy my pea patch. By the grace of God, you will not overtake my home. By the grace of God, you will not destroy my family. By the grace of God, you will not have my church. By the grace of God, I stand against you today and I fight against you with the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And this is exactly what the Philistines found when they came to Israel, except for one. There was one that said, no, I'm going to take me a step today. I'm going to have courage today. And the Bible tells us that Shammah stood. He resolved in his heart that he would fight for the things of God. He made up in his mind that he would not run away from the battle. He had run before, but not this time. But today, he was going to stand no matter what the cost was for his life. There are times when you've got to make a decision. I've got to stand for the things of God. I've got to stand for the truth of God. God's Word says it's not right. I've got to stand in what God has called me to do. You see, Shammah knew that there were some things worth fighting for. Let me ask you this morning. In your walk with God, do you have things that are worth fighting for? Is your situation worth fighting for? We can just step back and watch everything go to the way of the world, or we can just run away and hide while the enemy tramples everything under his feet, or we can decide that we're going to take a stand. The Bible says that sometimes all you can do is just stand. Nothing else you can do except just stand on God's Word. We've got to make up in our minds that we are tired of seeing the devil hinder the work of God. We've got to resolve in our hearts today that there are some things that are worth fighting for. In verse 12, Shammah stood in the midst of the ground and the Bible said he defended it. And he slew the Philistines. 
And because of what Shema did, he stepped out that the Lord wrought the victory. Shema took a step and the Lord wrought a victory. I've come to excite somebody today. I've come to get somebody to start thinking positively again. You've been in the enemy's camp long enough and you've allowed him to steal your joy. You've allowed him to steal your peace. It's time to take it back. Somebody needs to be routed to victory today. But if we're going to see victory, you're going to have to take the first step. The first step of achieving victory is you taking the first step against the enemy. Somebody didn't hear me this morning. The first step of achieving victory is you taking the first step against the enemy. The first step is you taking the first step. The first step is you taking the first step. You look at the armies of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat Jehoshaphat said, we'll take the first step and we're going to sing and we're going to praise God. Even when it looked like there was no deliverance, they began to sing and praise God even in the battle. That's what we do when we come here to church and throughout the week hopefully. We sing and we praise and we worship God even when they're in the battle. Sometimes that singing and praising and worshiping God will bring you through to the other side. You look at the three Hebrew boys. They said, we'll take the first step. We'll stand instead of bowing down. And they said, even if God doesn't show up, we're still going to serve Him. We're still not going to bow down. Daniel said, I'll take the first step and I'll keep on praying. The lady with the issue of blood said, I'll take the first step. I will press in. The demon-possessed man from Gadara said, I'll take the first step and I'll run to Jesus. The demon-possessed man in Capernaum said, I'll take the first step. I'm going to go to church. And David said, I'll take the first step and I will go out and I'll fight against this Philistine. You want to know where your victory is? It's right after your first step. If I haven't made that clear this morning, I hope that does. You want to know what victory is? It's just after you take the first step. Church, there are countless numbers of people sitting on a pew somewhere wondering why in the world God is not moving the way that they think that He should move. I say it's because the people are yet to get up off their hands and take a step against the enemy and win the victory and destroy the devil in their lives. There's victory to be had in our church today, but we're going to have to take steps, the first step. There's victory to be had in your personal life, but you're going to have to take the first step. There's victory to be had in our homes, but you're going to have to take the first step. You're facing depression today in your life. You're going to have to take a step. There's victory to be had in your loneliness that you're dealing with, but you've got to take the first step. Individual situations. What is yours today? What is your situation that you are dealing with in your life? We all know what it is. 
And there's something in your life that you're going to have to step out and make a decision that I'm going to step out and I'm going to trust God as I go through this battle. There's victory to be had. And when you take that first step, it will be centered around Jesus. Jehoshaphat's army said, we're going to sing and praise the Lord. The three Hebrew boys said, we're not going to bow down. We're going to stand up for Jesus. Again, the demoniac said, I'm not happy living like this. I want to live for Jesus. The lady with the issue of blood said, I'm not going to stay like this anymore my entire life. I want to touch Jesus. And there are people in this building this morning You have been living certain ways in your life, living in certain conditions. You need to take the first step this morning and allow God to move with victory in your life. As our musicians return this morning, or Sean will return and play some music. When you step out into the battlefields of life, you're not saying that you are strong enough by your own strength. But what you are saying is, my God is able. My God can do it. My God can bring victory. See, David said it well when he said, Thou comest against me with a sword. Thou comest against me with a spear. Thou comest against me with a shield. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. God said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have the power on the inside of you to overcome the wiles of the enemy. Can we stand across this building this morning? This altar is open today. Somebody says, I've got these things going on in my life. You need to come today and wage war against the enemy. You need to wage battle against the enemy this morning. It's the enemy of your soul. It's the enemy of your life. It's the enemy that is keeping you from being the best that God wants you to be. There is something in your life this morning that is keeping you from doing what God wants you to do and you're having a hard time releasing it. You need to come this morning. We'll pray over you and we'll ask God to release it out of your life and when you take that first step that's the source of a miracle thank you Jesus thank you for this one if we can have some brothers gather in here right now and pray for him somebody needs to declare war against the devil right now the devil's knocked you around long enough he's fought with you long enough you need to take the first step of victory Come on, there are others in this building this morning. You've lived with it long enough. You've been in that situation long enough. You've been in that thing long enough. You need to step out and have victory in your life. Wage war on depression. Wage war on uncertainty. Wage war on sadness.